Randy here once again to crack an egg of knowledge. Summer is upon us and that means it's time for fancy beach cocktails like mojitos, cosmos, sangrias, mint juleps, margaritas, and daiquiris. It's just like sex in the city. And the best part, Riverside Wine and Spirits has everything you need for those tasty treats. They also have a ton of great beer to choose from that comes in growlers, six packs, 12 packs, cases, and my favorite, kegs. So, go have a badass summer and party on with Riverside Wine and Spirits. Road. Hello, everybody. Here we are again uh, for the Brew Chat Podcast, episode 93, actually. We are cranking right along towards that magical episode 100, which we are going to do something for. Uh, we'll have some news about that in the next couple episodes, let you know what's going on. But anyway... Uh, this episode, Jared and Alan are actually out of the studio. They're at a brewer's meeting while, we, uh, while I was recording this. But I've got my good friend Kate joining me. And she's got a blog called A Thought and a Half. It's a Southern Lifestyle blog. And she also knows a shit ton about soccer and CFC. She loves whiskey. She likes beer. She's generally a pretty rad lady. So, yeah, we talk about everything from Matthew McConaughey, Chattanooga whiskey, like I said. And uh, we drink some tasty beers that I grabbed from Riverside. So, yeah, that's kind of what we got on the docket. Um, so let's get into it. Here's episode 93 of the Brew Chat Podcast. I think uh, good old England, they're the ones that came up with that keep calm. And Yeah, they did. It was yeah. a World War II thing. Yeah. Is that where that came from? I've, uh, uh, tongue tied. I've always wondered where that came from. It was a World War II thing. Keep, was it, what was it then? Like keep bomb calm on? And or? Keep calm and carry on. Ah, okay. okay. Yeah, that's the original. And then, of course, all the variations came over the years. And as it got more of a joke. And I have one that says... I have a magnet that I also got in London that says, keep calm and drink coffee. And then I have another one that says, shut up and deal with it. And that's kind of my favorite. I used to have a magnet. I love magnets like that. Or really just that. I don't know. But uh, I had one that said, mean people suck. <laughs> and I really liked that one. But I've not, it got lost in a move, I guess. Aww. It just kind of, I don't know where it went. It went home. I don't know where it went. Back, I have... It went home back to a shitty gas station where it was purchased. Aw. I have one from the museum in D.C. Because I used... I originally thought I was going to go into journalism and be a journalist. Mm -hmm. And then I realized I have more potential for jobs in other fields. Um, and I have one that That's says... That's what I thought I was going to do initially. Journalism? Yeah. Yeah. Which I guess I still sort of am just with different news. Different me uh, media. Yeah. Uh, I have one that says news junkie. Because at the time I was a news junkie. Not so much anymore. What? A, now's the time to be a news junkie. I, well, yeah. That's the irony of the whole thing. Yeah. No, I've turned into a news junkie. Yeah. I turned into it, uh, what was it? November 4th. <laughs> or the day after. Whatever. That Wednesday after election day last November year. November 9th. Which I've always liked the news. Like, uh. Have you watched that show, The Newsroom? 
No. That's a real kind of sort of high stress show, but fantastically done. Oh, I can't do high stress TV. And uh, it makes you want to sort of work in a newsroom, but I couldn't stand that just adrenaline pace constantly. Mm -mm. Like when something happened, it's a neat show because it kind of shows how a newsroom functions like a newsroom like CNN on that level of international news, like on a night like when uh, Osama bin Laden was killed. Yep, I remember that. Like how they function and Mm -hmm. like, you know, it could be 1 a.m. Yep. Like I remember when that happened. I think it was like, it was late at night. It was like 11 or 12 o'clock. I was at a bar and like they turned the music off and turned the news on. Everybody was like, what the fuck are they doing? (laughs) That was my freshman year of college and I was in my dorm writing a paper or studying or something and one of my friends at the time called me and was like, turn on your TV right now. And I went to Virginia Tech, so all the Corps cadets were all like mm-hmm. freaking out, of course. And I think my friend who called me was in the Corps. And he was like, turn on your TV right now. And I did. And I was just, I stayed on the phone with him and was like, yo, is this real? And he was just like, yeah, it's real. That motherfucker's dead. And I was just like, all right, awesome. <laughs> yeah, no, it was, it was kind of a fun thing. Uh, I mean, not... I, it was weird, but it was great because I was in this bar where there was, there were a shit ton of people and just yeah. all sorts of different bros and just, it was in a, I went to MTSU, so yeah. it was an MTSU bar and you said it was your freshman year cause you went to grad school, right? I did. Yeah. And, uh, so was it your freshman year of grad school or freshman year of college? I'm not that old. <laughs> No, I was, I was getting at that. That's super impressive cause you're younger than me and when you said it was your freshman year. I think it was like maybe my fourth junior year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, my freshman year of college was 2010-2011. Okay, wow. Yeah, no, if anything, I'm just saying I'm a shitty piece of shit student. <laughs> I'm not saying anything. No, I, I was in college from August 2010 to May 2014, and then I did my master's technically July of 2014 to May of 2015. Okay. Because we start, we had like a summer session and then the actual program started that August. No, that's super impressive. Yeah. So yeah, tooth that horn. You, you could not pay me to go back to school after my year of grad school. Like I'm super glad I did it. Like love the program, learned a lot, but Mm -hmm. you could not pay me to go through grad school again. What made you want to go to grad school? Um, part of it was more competitive in the job field. Mm -hmm. And because there were still some things that like I wanted to learn that I could have gotten at tech, but my path of study didn't really make it easy to get that. Mm -hmm. And I always knew pretty much from like my sophomore year of college that I was going to go to grad school. It was just a matter of like finding that right program Mm -hmm. for me. And as much as I would have loved to have stayed at tech, their program just wasn't what I was looking for. It was more of a PhD prep and that just was not for me. It was two years of like hard research and like all that kind of stuff. And I just knew that I would have been absolutely miserable. Mm -hmm. So I found the interactive media program at Elon university in North Carolina, which is full time, like 10 months. You treat it like a day job. Um, my class was 31 people. You take the same classes with the same people, like pretty much all year. Um, and it moved very, very fast. Mm. So I was used to like that fast paced environment. And then it was just like a lot of stuff that like some of the stuff that I touched on in undergrad, but not a whole lot. Like I took one 
design class in undergrad and it was one of those classes in the communication department that every comm major was required to take but it was only one semester yeah, yeah. and you, we touched on like it was like iMovie Photoshop Illustrator and Dreamweaver yeah and then I took like a full semester of like in-depth design in grad school except I think we called it like visual aesthetics or something mm -hmm. Um, because that sounds nicer than graphic yeah. design. No, I only ask that because uh, what you seem to be interested in, what you seem to be doing, is not necessarily something that a lot of people tend to get a grad degree in. To necessarily, yeah. unless they're just straight up, either they do want that doctorate. Like I would love to have a doctorate. They'd just be like, no, that's doctor. Yeah, you know, just <laughs> so I could do that. But at the end of the day, I don't really. Like, I went to school initially because I wanted to do film. Mm -hmm. That's what I was always into. Quit, Daisy. We're trying to record. <laughs> you can do that normally, but you can't do it right now. Aw. Um, Come here, kitty. But, yeah, I went because I was interested. I've always been into film and all this. And then I went to school, and MTSU didn't have a film program per se, mm -hmm. but they had a fairly robust mass college of mass communications. Yeah. And... They, I mean, they had everything there. If you went down a film school checklist, it was all there. It was just called a little something different, different. because they needed to get accreditation or something. Yep. And so I went there. And after mainly dicking around at Chat State for two years, because I got convinced that I had to do journalism. Yeah. Because I was in Chattanooga, and at the mm -hmm. time, everyone was like, you can't go into film. You're not in yeah. Hollywood. And I got in my head, you mm -hmm. know, right after high school. So I just went and dicked around at Chat State for a couple <laughs> years. And then decided to get my ducks in a row and went yeah. and hit this program at MTSU. But in the time that I was there, technology was changing so much. Mm -hmm. So quickly. And quickly, yeah. And then I started freelancing while I was there. That's why it honestly took me so long to graduate because mm -hmm. I would, I don't know, I've got the mindset, at least with film, like film shouldn't, they treat it like an art school. Yeah. But it should be a technical trade school. Mm -hmm. And it's like, yeah. Because it is very technical. Yeah, it's extremely technical. And that's how they should approach it. And I spent, I started freelancing the first year I moved up to MTSU because I realized like, holy shit, I'm uh, 30 minutes up the road from Nashville. Yep. And there's all sorts of camera and entertainment industry stuff going on up there. It's country music. So like, eh, I don't really care about that. But the opportunities. Still, there. the opportunities are there. So I started freelancing. And just doing little kind of whatever. And I would skip class and I would go to a job or, you know, and in my mind, I was rationalizing it. I wasn't really taking into account all the loan money I was wasting, uh. but I was rationalizing it in my mind because I was like, I'm getting more experience on this film set mm -hmm. and making a little bit of cash. In class. And this is what they're teaching me to get to in class. Mm -hmm. And I'm already here. here. So wh why am I going to <laughs> class? Like, and I still like, I feel I hate saying this, especially in this day and age, because I feel like there's a real war on uh, intellectualism right now, especially in America. So I hate saying this, but on some degree or on some level, like I still, I'm kind of like, I probably shouldn't have gone to college. I should have just went and straight started freelancing and stuff, but I had to go to college to meet right. the people that I met mm -hmm. and to kind of sort out what it is that I wanted to do. Yeah. Everything and, happens yeah. for a reason. So yeah, everything does. Yeah. And, uh, 
I'm a big believer in that. Oh, for sure. A lot of the reason I stayed in Chattanooga after I, yeah, I moved here for a job and partially to like be closer to my boyfriend at the time because he was living in Nashville. I assume he still does. Um, And then, you know, obviously that went south and we ended our relationship. And I had a couple of months where I was like, why am I here? Like Mm -hmm. I moved here for my job and to be closer to him. And, you know, I'm down one of those things. So like, what am I still doing here? Should I stay here? And I'm originally from North Carolina. All my family's still there. And I went through this phase where I was like, I should have stayed in North Carolina. Like I should have just listened to my gut and stayed instead of, you know, picking up my life and moving somewhere where I didn't know anyone just to, you know, be closer Mm -hmm. to someone that was only temporary. Um, And then I kind of was like, you know what? No, I'm going to stay here. Like I'm here for a reason. And like faith is a big thing for me too. So I was like, no, I'm here for a reason. Um, I just have to find that reason. Mm -hmm. And then I found it, and a little over two years later, here I am. One, for what you're doing, it seems like Chattanooga is a pretty good fit. It is. It's yeah. a very good fit. Um, and it felt right from the minute I moved here, but it it's only, like, grown since yeah. then. Yeah, like, I'm the same way as I, I grew up here, so I naturally had that sort of, like, I got to get out, I got to get out. Mm-hmm. Went and lived in Nashville and Murfreesboro around those parts for about seven years and then moved back here initially because I took a just a simple office job to make some cash one summer. Mm -hmm. I was like, okay, I'm going to work this kind of figure out what I want to do. Because at the time I was maybe going to move to Austin. I was like, I don't really want to go to L.A., but maybe Austin. L.A. ain't nothing but a rat race. Yeah. And I don't I'm not really about that. So I was like, maybe Austin, that seemed, it's got a good, like, basis of media and film stuff going on. Everybody down there seems pretty chill. And I, don't, I really like Texas. I don't know why, but <laughs> I really do. I've never been. Yeah, it's, uh, when something about the, like, Texas Southerner, <laughs> and in light of recent events, I'm not talking about white supremacists, crazy people, but... Just like that standard, just texting like, yeah, buddy, you know, you got to, you got to watch out. You know, that just like gruff sort of like, yep. man, you come down here to Texas, I'll show you how to light a bottle rocket. <laughs> yep. Know, just, like Matthew McConaughey. Oh there my go. God. That sort of texting. All right. Yeah, all right. All right. right. You want to play some bongo drums? I love me yeah. some Matthew McConaughey. Yeah. Who doesn't? Oh, what not. a dream boat. No, I get lost. I'll just find myself lost some days. And it's like, you son of a bitch. Like, I need a map to get out of your eyes. <laughs> hey, it's oh, just, my God. It's so true, though. No, it's I get lost in that in that there. But uh, what what's oh, I love the story about Matthew McConaughey. He was arrested. He lives right outside of Austin. Mm-hmm. And he this would have been back in probably like 2004 or five. And he was arrested for indecent exposure <laughs> because it was like 11, 12 at night. And he was drunk as a skunk in his living room, which evidently had like all sorts of windows, mm-hmm. blinds wide open, <laughs> just in there playing the bongo drums, brother. <laughs> and his neighbor called the police on him. And it's like, hey, like, I don't really enjoy looking at naked men. But if Matthew McConaughey was across the parking lot in that apartment over there, 
just like banging away on some bongo drums, drunk and butt naked. I like, yeah, I would sit there and watch that for a while. No, who wouldn't? Yeah. And so like, hey, who the fuck called the Poe on McConaughey for playing the bongo drum? And yeah, he there's a mugshot, the whole deal. Oh, my God. Yeah. I think that's hilarious. That's such a McConaughey thing to get arrested for. I know. I love it. My favorite McConaughey movie is How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days, partially because Matthew McConaughey is in it, obviously. Also, Andy Anderson is my spirit animal. And just like when there's a scene where he takes Kate Hudson's character back to his family and they're all sitting in the back playing the card game bullshit. And Mm -hmm. every time he says he's like, bullshit bullshit <laughs> and it's just like <laughs> i have never heard anyone say that phrase in a sexier way than matthew mcconaughey and he's literally the only human on earth who is capable of that <laughs> no i love it. have you seen true detective i have in bits and pieces no yeah. i i love math i've always loved matthew mcconaughey because he he always made me it's not that he reminds me of my uncle or any uncle that i've ever had but he seems like an uncle i would have yes he does. And that he like the, that uncle that sneaks you that first porn magazine <laughs> or like that first or, shot of vodka yeah, or whatever. He's like, here, kill my glass. I'm going to yep. go get another one. You know, that just a cool that uncle. One. It's like, you want to come over and play some bongo drums naked? You know? <laughs> and, and it's one of those things that you're like, no, why would I want to do that? And then you're like, wait, why am I saying no to this? Yeah. And I've always been a fan of his and like, how to lose a guy in 10 days is actually one of my all time favorite movies. Oh my God. I love um, it. As, as, as like just movies, not even as far as romantic comedies mm-hmm. go. Like it's just, I'm just, I like that movie. It does a really, the thing that cracks me up is it really hits the nail on the head for certain dating things. Uh huh. And we've all had, we were talking about it a little bit for the show. It'll probably bleed in a little bit here at the intro, but, uh, like just we've all dated crazy people and like it, it hits the on, tropes. Yeah, it just nails like, you know, right there on the nose, every single one of those. Yep. And uh the one that pops out to me though is the nesting. Oh my god, yes. It, that and even now that's like the biggest thing I remember from that movie. I don't even really remember how it ends, but she starts like quote unquote nesting and like placing little things like yep. putting like little pink stuff on the back of his toilet and the love fern yeah the are lo- you gonna let our love <laughs> fern die oh my god i completely forgot about that yeah wow that hits me a little at home right now oh man i, I there was a, a love succulent in my life at one point oh no it died <laughs> uh I can't keep up. Speaking of plants, your cat's eating this thing over here. Oh, that's fine. Uh, that's her cat grass. Oh, okay. So yeah. she's allowed to be yeah, eating it. Yeah, she can eat that. She loves that. I'm kind of terrified to get my cat cat grass. I don't know what she'd do. I don't think it's catnip. I think it's just regular grass. And it is. And throw cat in front of the name. Yeah, I don't know what Maggie would do with it, but I'm, I'm a little scared to find out, but eh, whatever. Maybe one day. Yeah. Anyway, let's talk about this beer for a minute. Yeah. Um, yeah, I grabbed uh, three different beers. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've got a fourth one here. It's just one I grabbed to drink on, which is a Saison. But yeah, you told me what you like. So I went and grabbed three that I've not tried, which is getting to be a harder and harder <laughs> niche to fill. Yeah. But uh, three that I've not tried and three that I think you will enjoy. 
Okay. So you said, uh, I don't know, I've got, you said you like wheats and ales and things like that. Yes. So this, uh, this one we're drinking here, I need to get a refill a little bit. So you're good over there. Yeah. This is, uh, I was surprised by this, actually. I'd never heard of this. It's a Nashville brewery. Ooh, what's it called? Little Harpeth Brewing. Never heard of it. I lived up there. This did not exist hmm. when I was up there. And it does not look like it says on here when they started existing. Let's see. Uh, we craft We call this flavor text when it has stuff on the can. Okay. And uh, trademark pending. Oh. We craft in the tradition of German lagers consistent with the beers of pre-prohibition Middle Tennesseans. Our mission is to preserve the past, enjoy the present, and sustain the future of brewing in Nashville, Tennessee. We are dedicated to the improvement of our community and the quality of our product. And uh, we are working hard to give you the beer that you deserve. Okay. And it looks like they've got the General Jackson here on the can. It's called Upstream. They're San Fran Lager. All I right. should probably know. I'm not quite sure what makes uh, I need to look that up. What makes a San Francisco Lager a San Francisco Lager? Hmm. Water comes from the bay. Hopefully not. <laughs> yeah. At that point, you might as well just go get a surfer to piss in a can. <laughs> um, no, I like this can, though. I like it a lot. It's got like a, a Mai Tai sort yeah, of color scheme going tropical. on. Yeah, it looks kind of tropical. Yeah, it looks Which is super funny tropical. coming out of Nashville. Yeah, and it's got a nice, simple logo with the uh, General Jackson on it. Or I'm assuming that's the General Jackson. And then it's got a, the skyline of Nashville on the bottom. Oh, of course it does. Yeah. I like this beer, though. It's yeah. easy drinking. I've been sipping on it while we were talking. Yeah, the Batman building. You can't miss that. It does have... I take it you're not a big fan of hops. No, not usually. Yeah. The easier to drink, the better. Yeah, because I remember you Ooh. said no IPAs. This one does have a slight hop profile coming through, though, on the nose. Yeah, but it's not overwhelming. Yeah, it's real even balanced. Pretty, it smells uh, good too. Clearly filtered. What else does it say on here? Government warning? No, that's not what I want. Little Harpeth Brewing. Does it say? No, it doesn't say like what their flavor profiles for this one is. Sand. No flavor or? text. No. Hmm. I like it, though. It's a good, like, summer Yeah, it's a sipper. good, easy-drinking beer. Yeah. You know, Nothing too special about it. I'd, this would be a good, uh, just staple lager to compare other light lagers to. Yeah, a good day-drinking beer. Oh, yeah. See, I don't like to drink a lot of lagers during the day because they fill me up. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. They're really good for, uh, for, uh, drinking games, like beer pong at mm. soccer tailgates. <laughs> Not that I speak from experience or anything. I found that this is a uh, divisive thing among people. Is when you play beer pong, are you OG? Like, are you throwing the ping pong ball into water or are you throwing it into beer? Oh, hell no. We're throwing it into beer. OG. Yeah. One time, I think it was for the 4th of July. And drinking that beer? Yep. Yeah. With yep. everybody's hands and. Uh, we drink the beer and then we have individual beers to sip on as well. Yeah. Um, 4th of July tailgate, because 4th of July, like, most everyone was off of work. So, as a dear friend of mine says, you cannot claim to have drank all day if you don't start early. So, we decided that we were going to have a breakfast tailgate. 
and I like the sound of that. Oh, it was it yeah. was marvelous. I started drinking at 10 a.m. Um, and somehow didn't die. But we started with mimosas and French toast and eggs and bacon. And we had like a whole like breakfast tailgate spread up. And we were drinking. What, what time are we talking here in the morning? This was like around 10, 1030. Nice. Yeah. yeah. So there are about 10 of us there. We we're all like sipping mimosas. And when there, we have one guy who has like custom made beer pong tables. And when he got there with his tables, we set him up and we were like, all right, when can we start playing? And he was like, we played a couple of rounds of just like regular beer pong with just like easy beers. And then he was like, you know what? I got a better idea. And he was like, I'm going to run to the liquor store or grocery store or whatever was open. I like open. where this is headed right now. He came back with more champagne and more orange juice and we played mimosa pong. Yeah. It was phenomenal. I... I fucking love mimosas. I do too. That's like, I didn't have a mimosa until I first moved back here. Actually, I'd never been to brunch until I moved back here. Cause I, oh, man. I was in college. I was living like an animal. That's true. Yeah. I wasn't a cultured man. I was living like an animal. I wasn't a real boy yet. <laughs> and, uh, I oh my God, your kitty. She's got oh, her yeah. belly up. Yeah. That's how she lays. That's, uh, for those listening and not here in person, uh, my cat likes to lay on her back and show off the goods. Yeah. <laughs> Does she actually like belly rubs though? No, that's a trap. Oh, okay. That is 100% a trap. See, my cat does that and she actually likes belly rubs. So for her, it's an invitation. No, she knows exactly what she's doing. She wants attention, <laughs> uh, but she will attack you. It's a oh, trap. Okay. She knows what she's doing. Oh, yeah, she's 100%. very smart. Yeah. yeah, she knows exactly what she's doing. Yes. Let's anyway, sorry. I, I love cats and I love animals. And when they do cute things, I immediately oh, yeah. get distracted. No, this cat is uh, maybe why Brew Chat works. Maybe people <laughs> are just going to the Instagram to see her. Aww. Let's see. I just poured us. This is another one I grabbed here. This is Mill Creek. Uh, Lil Darlin citrus infused wheat beer. Oh this a few weeks ago at the uh, deep brew sea at the aquarium okay yeah it's really good i love it actually my favorite beer of the night oh and this was uh this is also from tennessee yep nolensville i think yeah nolensville where is nolensville i don't have a clue but that's where it's where they make that hmm smells very weedy yes yeah that's a uh It tastes kind of sweet after drinking this um, upstream wheat beer or whatever this was. There's no flavor text on this can. I wish it told me what what citrus infusion it was. And you know, I don't remember. I'm going to assume like uh, maybe orange or tangerine yeah. due to the orangey on the can. Yeah. And it's not a super like overpowering. Like it's not, no, not at all. And cause if it were lemon, like you would taste that almost mm. immediately. So I'm going to go with like orange or tangerine or clementine or something more like that. It honestly, it kind of tastes like a, uh, a blue moon that you've gotten at a bar, drank about half of it and let it sit there and get a little bit warm. Yeah. It's got that texture and it's got that citrus to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In the wheat, it's a wheat beer. So, mm -hmm. Very nice. This stuff looks like water, though. Yeah. Good lawn mowing beer. 
<laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, and it's only 4.5%, so it's not uh, going to do a whole lot of work. Oh, no. Another good day drinking beer. Yep, another good day drinking beer. Good shotgunning beer. Ooh, let's yeah. not talk about shotgunning. Oh, why shouldn't we talk about shotgunning? Because I like am exactly what we should talk about. Because I am not very good at it at uh, all. <laughs> I I'm not good at it either. I'm I'm just not good at chugging things. Like no. either I've not de- figured out the and developed the trick of like being able. I don't I don't know why. I just can't <laughs> do it. It's like I'm still trying to drink it, and it's just there's more volume of liquid entering my mouth yeah. than I can actually get down. Same. Yeah, and it's just a mess. Yeah, I tried it at a couple of tailgates, and I nope, nope. I would mm-hmm. much, much rather take a shot of whiskey than shotgun a beer. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, I can do work with a shot of whiskey. Oh, me too. Like I, ooh, that's dangerous. Just, yeah. Yeah. The funny thing is when I used to go out with like my couple of girlfriends that they were always like, no, I can't do shots. Let's just get drinks and sip on them. And I'm like, nope, shot of bourbon. Just give me what you got. (laughs) And I will never forget one night last summer, my friend and I went out and we were at Clyde's and we had been there. We'd each had a drink and this family of guys came in and they, they were older than us by, I don't know, like. 10, 15 years, and it was, like, two guys that were brothers, and then the dad and the dad's brother, and they all ordered around a fireball shots, and nothing makes my insides, like, curl up and cringe like fireball, and we heard them order, like, fireball shots, and we just went, oh, God, like, audibly, just looked at each other and then looked at them and went, oh, God, and... You know, they all did them, and then they looked at us, and they're like, you ladies want to do a round with us? And my friend just goes, yeah, sure, why the hell not? And I go, I'll do it, but not Fireball. And they're like, okay, what do you want? We're buying. And I was like, give me a shot of whiskey. And they looked at me like, "Uh uh-uh, you're crazy. And I was just (laughs) like, no, I will do a shot of whiskey. Yeah. And bless them, they bought me a shot of Jack, and I finished my shot of Jack before they finished their Fireball. And I, like, plopped it down. I was like, all right, what next? Mm -hmm. And they were just like, damn. No, it's just Ooh. like, I told you I can shoot whiskey. That's all I am. I, I don't get people that like tequila. Ew, oh, God. Tequila Mm-mm. is nope. disgusting. I can't stand it. It uh, gives me the runs the next morning. <laughs> it's not good. And that's, that's definitely an overshare, but I don't even care. It's just the truth. It's a yeah. horrible liquor. And I run into the same thing. People are like, let's get a run of tequila. I'm like, no. No. A, I don't really want to do shots, but if we're doing it, give me whiskey. I don't yep. even care what whiskey. Like, just whatever's running into the floor, just scoop that <laughs> up. Just whiskey. Yep. Um, I don't care but, if it's rail. I'm shooting it yeah, anyway. It's going to go I down like fast. I like whiskey. Like, I do, I do like a nicer whiskey, though, but I don't... I mean, obviously, my palate's not refined <laughs> nearly as much for whiskey as right. it is for beer. And it's mm-hmm. not even for beer what it really could be right but it's like kind of i feel like super nice whiskeys and bourbons and whatnot are kind of wasted on me yeah but i can still enjoy them like i like maker's mark that's about oh, the that's nicest my favorite. I'll buy. yeah what do you think of chattanooga whiskey i like it a lot um yeah. i went to their media event last week for their launch of their experimental series mm-hmm. and i got to taste uh, batch one 
and it was I liked it a lot. Okay. It had like a really interesting flavor profile and yeah, like one of the flavor notes on it was like maple syrup and it was that was one of the like not an aftertaste but one of the like second waves of flavors mm-hmm. that you got like once you swallowed it and were like waiting for it to like go down or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um I sipped it and at first I was just like, "Oh wow, that's interesting. I got the kind of like corn and rye." And then I was like, "Yo, there's that maple syrup." And it was oh my god, it was just so smooth and it sold out in 48 hours and I'm really mad at myself for not grabbing yeah. a bottle of it before it sold out. But batches 2 and 3 come out uh later this fall, so I'm definitely mm. going to have to get my hands on one of those. Um the problem is I just don't drink a lot of well, I don't really drink at all or drink that often at home if i do i'll have like a glass of wine with a couple Mm -hmm. of friends but that that is something that like i could hold on to and make last for a very long time because chat whiskey is something especially for like those nicer batches you don't mix it you have to drink it like neat or on the rocks Mm -hmm. otherwise like jim beam and like evan williams and stuff you can mix it like it's fine every now and then i'll mix some makers with ginger Mm-hmm. Because makers and ginger just sounds so much nicer than makers and diet. So yeah, Chattanooga whiskey. Um, is that going to change their flavor much? You think? Like, is that what they're going for? Because I, I before it was being made in like Indiana or um, somewhere like that. No, they're finishing from. Let's see if I remember this correctly. Like, is this going to be a complete? Because I know they've got. Yeah. 1816 is... Yeah, they, they've got a couple bottles right now. They've got the main one, the black label. Is this going to be a new Chattanooga batch, and they're still going to have the others, or is this going to They're developing it? new expressions of the 1816. Okay. And I think they said they have a new expression of that coming out in the fall, and then the experimental batches are building on the flavors and everything that they liked the most about 1816. Okay. So it's eventually going to completely replace it. Eventually, I think yeah. so. Um, but it's not that they don't like the 1816, and the 1816 is a very good whiskey, or bourbon whiskey, but um, so they don't want to move completely away from it. It's just... Um, it's They're experimenting with their own things now instead of relying on... Um, the whatever they get from their supplier in Indiana. Yeah, yeah. So it's something that they can claim as their own. Yeah, yeah. Which, and they got a lot of scoff for that, but it's like a lot of whiskey companies do that. Yeah, that's not unusual at all. Yeah, it's not unusual at all. It's just Chattanooga's got, it's a pretty big circle jerk. People are very proud of our city, Mm -hmm. and me included, but uh, you as a new Chattanoogan, (laughs) and so I, I get it, but yeah, it's it's not that rare of a thing for whiskey companies to do that. No, a lot of them do it. And they... I just lost my train of thought. What was I going to say? Were there, well, there, uh, not to interrupt you here, but the 1816 you were talking about, is that is that the black label, the nicer one, or is that... So they the, have 1816 Reserve, which is their like flagship. Yeah. And then they have the 1816 Cask. Which I'm not and I don't entirely remember the difference between the reserve and the cask, but it's it's something about like the way it finishes or how long it ages. 
or something like that. Well, I like that one better. Just in my own experience, the main run of their whiskey leaves me hungover as shit. <laughs> um, un- it's unlike any whiskey. Whiskey, I'm usually fine. Yeah. Un- unless I'm mixing other liquors with it or I'm mixing it with beer. But mm-hmm. if I have a solid night just pounding whiskey and like I'm out with buddies and I electively choose like, nope, I'm only doing whiskey tonight and I'm getting trashed. I won't be too hungover. Right. But if I've mixed, I'll be a little hungover. Mm-hmm. But if for some reason that main run and not to bash them, I don't want to bash them. Mm-hmm. I, I want to love them with all of my mm-hmm. everything. And, but yeah, the nights that I've gotten drunk on that main whiskey, mm-hmm. I've ended up hungover as shit. But the black label, mm-hmm. the cask, yeah. treats me good. Yeah. Yeah. It's a little bit higher quality. And like I said, I don't remember the exact like distinction of what makes the two different, but the cask is a little bit higher quality. Mm. Um, it's I, one of the few whiskeys I've drank where I can tell that quality difference. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. Shout out to chat whiskey while we're talking about it. Um, I had a span of time where I was a regular there mm-hmm. and it's one of those places that like every time I have a friend from out of town or like my family or anyone that's, like one of the first places I take them is go do a tour and a tasting there because it's just awesome to have a place like that in Chattanooga. Mm. Like Chat Whiskey is now like the third largest whiskey producer in the state of Tennessee behind Jack Daniels and George Damn. Dickel. Hmm. I did not know that. That's su- making wow. waves, yeah. making waves making here in the waves. scenic yeah. city. No, I being in Chattanooga is great because if for no, I mean, we've got a lot of reasons Chattanooga's great, but, and not to have one of the Chattanooga circle jerk conversations now, but uh, more than anything, holiday shopping. Oh my gosh. It makes holiday shopping so, so easy. easy, especially if you're buying for people that are not from here. It's like, oh yeah, I'll just buy like, you know, a couple bottles of Hoff sauce. Uh, I'll buy uh, some moon pie, some little Debbie's. Yeah. Some moon pie, some little Debbie's. Uh, you know, I'll get some Chattanooga whiskey. Mm-hmm. It's so easy. Yeah. My dad loves, loves moon pies. And they live in, my parents live in North Carolina and they can get moon pies at their local grocery store. But there, there's just something about getting them like straight in Chattanooga, like at the general store downtown where they're like fresh from the factory. So every- there's no such thing as fresh with a moon pie, though. They always kind of taste stale. Not to me. Like I, they taste fresh to you? Like there's a difference? I I can taste a difference. Huh. And I'm I'm weird, but I I'm going to have to get you to educate me on this because every moon pie I've I'll admit I've never gone to like the HQ downtown. You need to. The Mecca. But I feel like every moon pie I've ever eaten in my life has tasted stale. Oh, I do not buy moon pies from the grocery store anymore. You go to the source mm-hmm. like Neo. Yep, yeah. I do. Hmm. Uh anyway, so every time I go home, my dad's always like, "Can you bring me some moon pies and I buy him a box and take them and he tries to ration them, but we, my dad and I love them so much that they don't last very long. (laughs) In fact, I remember last year they did a limited edition coconut moon pie and my dad loves anything coconut. He's the Mm -hmm. only person in my family that will eat anything coconut. So of course I saw these coconut moon pies and was like, Oh my God, my dad needs these. (laughs) So I bought like two or three of them. And my parents were coming to visit like the weekend after that or something. And, and then your dad bought the company. 
<laughs> no, I gave them. Now they only make coconut moon nah, pies. Well, if he had his way, <laughs> they'd make chocolate and coconut. Um, but no, I did. I bought him like two or three of them because like on the off chance that there was something wrong with them. Yeah, yeah. And he, I didn't want to buy like a whole dozen and him not like them. So I bought him like two or three to try and he tasted the first one. It's like, why didn't you buy a whole box of them? And I was like, well, I wasn't sure if you were going to like them, if they would be good. And I didn't want to like waste a whole bunch of them. And he goes, ain't no such thing as a wasted moon pie. <laughs> and you I was like, okay. And he's just like, more, <laughs> he, more. Yeah. So I literally went back to the store the next week and bought a dozen of them and shipped them to him for Father's Day. Hmm. So I was like, enjoy, dad. These yeah, are limited yeah. edition. So they don't make them anymore. Mm -mm. Right now, they're not making them. It was limited. So they've all what? Do, they don't have many flavors. Of they have chocolate, today. vanilla, banana, strawberry, and salted caramel in the mini and single decker, and then in the double decker they have like all those flavors. They had orange for a little while and lemon for a little while, and then they have moon pie ice cream sandwiches, which are probably my favorite thing in the entire mm. world. Yeah, I may have to go check that moon pie store out. Uh, I ruined one of my favorite shirts on a moon pie ice cream oh sandwich. Oh, my God. I should get moon pie to sponsor this show. That <laughs> the greatest thing ever. Just treats for days. I, I take back everything I've said about moon pie being stale. I'll go try you guys. Yes, and you have to go to the general store. You know, there's a general store in Lynchburg, too. It's like a 10-minute walk from the Jack Daniels distillery. I keep meaning to get up there and hit that Jack Daniels distillery. I've, I've never been a couple of times. Been, it's fun. Huh. Uh, they do. The tour is like an hour and a half, but it's super in-depth. They take you through everything. They show you the like charcoal filtering process and they tell you like the full story of like Jack Daniel and how everything got started. And then they give you a tasting at the end. And then you can like buy a bottle and get it engraved and do all sorts of fancy stuff. Mm. Fun fact. Um, I am five foot six and a half. And I was taller than Jack Daniel. Or I'm taller than Jack Daniel well, are was. Are those statues? There's a we statue. See, are those life-size statues yes. we see at, like, the Honest Pint? Uh, I, I, they've got that one on their stairs that they've got, like, some Mardi Gras boob beads or something <laughs> oh, on. Uh, and it's standing on the stairs in the corner with the boob beads. Yeah, it probably is life-size. I'd, I'd have to pay oh more God, attention. He was tiny. Yeah, then. he was like, just over five feet tall. Okay, it may not be life-size, because the statue, the dude, it's a statue where the guy on it is, like, standing on a block. Oh, so yeah. So the whole statue is, like, maybe six feet tall, but mm -hmm. the actual guy is, like, five feet. Yeah, I think yeah. I think I remember them saying that he had to wear risers in his shoes. Oh, so he had some of those Cuban heels. Yeah, yeah. so there's a statue of... Jack Daniel in part of the on part of the property where there's like the spring in the background on the springs where they get the water to make everything and it all comes full circle and the tour guides are always like yeah stand up next to it take pictures and laugh about how much taller you are than him and I have a picture of me like holding on to Jack Daniel and looking at it being like yeah I'm taller than you were buddy and like I'm not that tall so I was just like this is pretty cool I'm taller than Jack Daniel was yeah Huh. I had no idea it was that short. It That really makes me wonder if the statues are life-size. Huh. The more you know. Yeah, for real. The more you know. I will never forget my... I have a very good friend from England, and he came to the States last summer for the first time in like 10 years and um, got to spend about a, a little over a week with me here in Chattanooga. And 
I got to show him around some of the cool places. I took him to Chow Whiskey, of course. Uh, and I also took him out to Lynchburg to uh, the Jack Daniel Distillery. And he was just completely mind blown by the process, was just like, wow, this is how it's made. Like, that's so cool. And then when we did the tasting at the end, they gave us um, the black label, the green label, um, the Tennessee honey. And they may have given us the Tennessee fire, which is like the cinnamon whiskey, which yeah, don't it's their fireball, fireball yeah, competitor. Ugh, yeah, can't, ugh, no, can't do it. I also don't really like honey whiskey either. Like whiskey to me should not be sweet. Um, but we were tasting all of that and the uh, person leading the tasting was giving us like recipe suggestions or ways to serve it or what to drink it with and everything. And she mentioned a uh, whiskey cheesecake. And you want to know what I did? I went home that night. I bought myself a bottle of Jack honey and I made a Jack honey cheesecake. That sounds delicious. It was yeah. so good. That sounds amazing. Hmm. That cheesecake didn't last very long. Neither did that whiskey. Oh, yeah. Cheesecake doesn't last long around me, period. No. I love cheesecake. I made one, I guess, about a month ago. It was just one of those random things where I was like, you know what? I'm really craving cheesecake, but making one is more fun than going out and buying one. Oh, it takes forever. Oh, it does. It, yeah. re it was a huge test of my patience, but I did it. Yeah. And I, like, made everything, like, made it with the eggs and baked it and everything and it didn't have a single crack in it i was nice. so proud of myself yeah but i just made like your traditional like plain vanilla cheesecake and i think i this made is it something i could never my other co-hosts aren't here tonight they're at a brewer's meeting but this is something i could never talk with jared and alan about cheesecake yeah well i mean they've eaten it but as far as making Eating one it. yeah i've uh I'll get drunk and try to do some Martha Stewart shit up in here. <laughs> and I went and bought a cheesecake pan to make a cheesecake. Yep. Like I was like, oh, you have to have a whole, cause I'm really into shit like that. It's mm -hmm. like, oh, I have to have a whole separate tool to do this. And like, I don't know. It makes it seem like it's like extravagant or something to me. I don't know. And so I went and bought a cheesecake pan, like with the removable bottom. Mm -hmm. Cause I remember my very first job, uh, or one of them, my second job, was at Coldstone Creamery. Oh, right, I worked at an ice cream shop too. Like right when it first opened. Which one did you work at? Oh, this was like a marble slab. No, mm. it was a family-owned um, farm. It was when I lived in Pennsylvania. I'll story for another day, another time. Okay, but okay. Yeah. It was a ice cream shop that was part of a farm, which okay. was super cool. Yeah. Hmm. Anyway, continue. Yeah. So, uh, see, what was I talking? About? I was working at the ice cream shop, but. I was just saying that to get to something else. Cheesecake. Cheesecake. Yeah. We had those pans down there mm -hmm. to make cakes for people. So I was like, I don't mind buying it because I can make layer cakes now. Yeah. Not that I'm ever going to like crank out some like <laughs> seven tier layer cake, but uh, I don't know. I should make. I really want to make a cake from scratch. I've never made a cake from scratch. Really? And I really, really, well, I've made cupcakes from scratch, but those are different. I really, I really want to. When I went home for Easter, I made a bunny cake for us to have for dessert after like church and Easter lunch on that Sunday. And I wanted to do part of it from scratch. I could, I was either going to make the cake from scratch and then just use store-bought icing, or I was going to do like a boxed cake and then make buttercream frosting. And I decided that I was going to use a box cake mix and make buttercream frosting. And 
My buttercream frosting was a little too buttery. And I also didn't wait for the cake to cool long enough before I frosted it because I started frosting it and it started melting. Yeah, and then I yeah. tasted it and was just like, yeah, store-bought <laughs> frosting from now on. <laughs> See, I want to try to make a, uh, well, let, let, I'll finish my cheesecake thing. It's just, yeah, so I've tried to make a cheesecake from scratch twice. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'll do it from a mix pretty often, but yeah. from scratch, I've tried to do it twice and I can't get it to not crack. But... I have a good time doing it. Yes. But anyway, yeah, I bought a pan just to do that. But I've used the pan more for other shit than yeah. I have for cheesecakes. Because it's handy to have that removable bottom. Oh, it is. And I want to try... Uh, I've baked cakes in it. I'd prefer to bake cakes in it. Uh, just because it's easier to get them out of there. Yeah. And you can take the bottom out. But I want to try to make like a badass layer cake or yeah. like an ice cream layer. Cause I know how to make ice cream cakes. Mm-hmm. I know those cold stone creamery trade secrets. Yes. Yeah. I was a manager down there. I know mm-hmm. that I know some shit. I, so my ex-boyfriend's birthday is in June and I, he always wanted every year an ice cream cake because he was like, if my birthday's in June in the middle of the summer, then like, of course I want an ice cream cake. So I made him an ice cream cake for his birthday one year. And I like used his two favorite ice cream flavors, and then I found the recipe for like the cookie crunch that Dairy Queen puts oh. in their cakes. And then I coat I the frosting. I'm using air quotes here that I made was I literally took like a bucket of Cool Whip and poured in a packet of chocolate pudding mix, and that did not turn out as well as I thought it would. And I tried to frost it with that, and I I mean it was still edible. It was ice cream in a loaf form, so like. It still worked, but I was just like, I will do better next time. Mm. Hmm. Yeah, I'm, I think I'm going to try to make me a uh, ice cream cake here soon. Ooh, yum. Yeah. We used to make ice cream cakes at the place I worked at. Oh, man. They were so good. Yeah, my alma mater, MTSU, just announced they're opening up their own creamery. Ooh. I don't know if they'll have ice cream necessarily, but, I'm, you know, milk. I mean, mm-hmm. they've been supplying the campus and like the local Murfreesboro area yeah. with milk for a while, mm-hmm. but they're like officially launching it as a business. Oh, cool. Good yeah. for them. And then the college I went to is doing some crazy shit. It's no longer the College of Mascom. It's like media arts or something. Yeah. But I remember at Tech when I first started, the journalism major was called electronic and print journalism. And then like my junior year, I th- can't remember if it was my junior or senior year, but whichever year it was, they changed it to multimedia journalism. Mm. Which it kind of has to be. I mean, you can't go into any form of media nowadays without having to know it all or yeah. needing to know it all. Rather. Yeah, I think I think that was part of their rationale in changing yeah. it. I mean, like this shit I'm doing, I've you know, I have to do web design shit. I mean, you blog, mm-hmm. you know how it is. You got to know it's not just writing like you've got to know a little bit HTML, maybe yep. a little bit of Java. And it's like here oh, I am. Oh, God, Java was my nightmare in grad God. school. What I think is funny about today's <laughs> day and age is like. I mean, HTML's, I mean, it changes a lot. God, this is a fucking nerdy conversation. <laughs> it changes a lot. You're having it with the right person. But uh, it's in today's day and age, my mom was putting some like href and image tags on something the other day on her iPad. Mm-hmm. And I realized what I was like, holy shit. Like my mom knows HTML and she doesn't even know it. Yep. Like she has been taught H- she picked that up somewhere, copying and pasting it, and then just realized that she can just type it. Yep. 
and it has the same effect. Yep. And she just remembered it. Yep. She knows H. I mean, not. I mean, she's not coding websites for people, right. but she knows basic HTML and doesn't even realize it. Yep. So. Yeah, I. So when I started my blog, I started it on Google Blogger because. Nice segue. Yeah. Hmm. Fucking nice segue. We're yeah. we're good at that here. <laughs> no, we'll have a good segue, but we have to call it out. Yeah. That was a good segue. Uh, so when I started my blog, my sophomore year of college, I started it on Google Blogger. Because it was just easy, it was free, it was what I knew. And I was using Google for everything anyway. So I was like, why not just add one more thing to it? And the templates were like customizable, but not super, super, super customizable. Like I figured out a little bit of HTML and CSS here and there, but most of it was pretty native. Like I could just go in, mash a few buttons and like plug in a few things and get it to do what I needed to do. Yeah, yeah. Um, Then... I kept so I kept it on Google Blogger for like three or four years. And then when I finished grad school, I had worked with WordPress a lot more. I knew more of the back end. I knew more about design and kind of how all that worked. And I was I knew I was going to rebrand my blog and like move it to my own domain and everything. And I DIY'd everything. I was like, why would I pay someone to do this when I've been doing it for the last year? Like, I'm just going to DIY it and like do the best I can and not try to do anything super fancy. Well, of course, I was like, I know how HTML and CSS and like a little bit of Java works. Like, I'm going to try to mess with a few things. I screwed up my nav. (laughs) And to this day, it does not operate on mobile the way I want it to. And it makes me so angry, but I don't have the patience to go in and fix it. But I'm also like, I really want to fix it. So like, that's potentially an all day thing. Yeah. yeah. And like, I don't have time to sit around and like stare at HTML and CSS and WordPress for like eight hours a day mm. anymore. Like, so I'm like, so what do I do? I think like, do I just go and find like the Genesis child theme, like the original code and just like plop <laughs> the original code back in there and just go in and change my colors back and hope it fixes it. Like I'm, I'm down to try it, but if it screws it up, then I'm just going to roll with it and see what happens. So mm. But it's, it's, I'm just like OCD about little things like that. And like, honestly, like it doesn't look bad on mobile, mm-hmm. but I'm just so particular. And I'm like, deep down, I'm a little bit of a perfectionist. And there's always this whole thing about like blogger comparison and like comparing your blog to other blogs and websites. And it's, it's a problem. And everyone, well, that, that's a problem in anything though. You shouldn't compare yourself to anybody. No, and yeah, that's, not in any realm. That's a whole different conversation, yeah. but like it happens, and I'm like, God, like I wish, I wish I can get my website to look like that girl's or like that person's. But I'm mm-hmm. like, you know what? My website's fine the way it is. It functions. It is like mobile friendly enough. I'll get to it eventually. And of course, it's been like a year and a half, and it's still whatever. Hey, that's why I've got stuff on the brew chat site that I'm just now getting around. Like, because I mean, it, it's. It's actually, it's a fairly big site for what it is. And it's like, I'm trying to get a more organized list of all our podcast episodes because there wasn't one. I realized I just fixed that. Like you could only access like, I don't know, maybe 20 episodes at a time. Yeah. Uh, But yeah, it's just, that's the nature of the beast with web shit. I guess you've just got to, you have a never ending list of to do's. Oh my God. Yeah. I, yeah. 
never-ending list of to-dos and no website is ever completely finished yeah like for when i was in grad school we all had to do a thesis project and it all no matter what our project was it had to live on the web in some way so whether you made like an interactive video or a trailer or whatever you made it had to live on the web so you had to make like a two or three page website no matter what and i happened to make an entire website and even when it got time for like our final reviews and our showcase my professors were like so is this done and i was like no it's not done and they're like well what are you gonna do and i was like leave it (laughs) and they were like what do you mean you're gonna leave it And i was like no piece of art is ever completely done because as an artist and a creative you're always going to want to change something and my my poor professor bless his heart i i love him to death and i miss him but God, there were so many things. He was like, why don't you do this? Why don't you do this? Why don't you do this? And I was like, you know what? I really would if I had more hours in the day. Yeah. But I'm also trying to graduate, get a job, and get out of this town mm-hmm. and finish this website or finish, air yeah. quotes. So, like, I'll be happy if I get, like, three of the six things on my to-do list done. No, that's what got <laughs> me always about college projects. Like, they would give you a deadline, but... Not And I'm not necessarily talking in your standard classes. I'm talking mainly in the media class. Like, we would have a deadline to have a video done by. Right. And we're getting judged by how good this video is mm-hmm. on things that are mostly uh, subjective. Yep. Creative so, is very subjective. Yeah. So, it's like, the teacher doesn't like this transition. They don't like... They think this shot went on two seconds too long. It's And then you're basically just arguing... Like, no, you're arguing on opinions at that point. Yep. And yeah, it just, I could rant about that all day. Oh my gosh. So in undergrad, I double majored in public relations and creative writing. Mm. And my, my specialty, I'll call it my stronger, my stronger genre was nonfiction. So like memoirs and that type of thing. And I took three semesters of creative nonfiction um loved it like found what i was good at and was like you know what i have the flexibility in my schedule i'm gonna keep taking this and just get better and better at it but i was required to take fiction and poetry and fiction not my thing you don't like fiction writing i enjoy reading it and i appreciate those who can do it well but writing it was an absolute nightmare Like, everything I ended up writing ended up being inspired by something in my life anyway. So it was basically just nonfiction with the names and places changed. So I was writing nonfiction anyway. I think that's kind of what fiction is, though. It can be. It's just kind of... Because, I mean, I I like to write... uh, I mean, I do more writing now with Brewchat, but it's more like scripts and... Mm -hmm for radio and like little shorts and, you know, blog posts and things, but screenwriting. Yep. So, and that's mostly primarily what I'm doing is fiction and I prefer (laughs) fiction. Uh, but even with that, I've got so many stories where it's, if you really know me and you read the stories I've Mm -hmm. written, you're like, Oh, that's the one time a, uh, like if you, if my best friend of 20 years or so were to read and be like, yeah, that's that one time, uh, that kid in the seventh grade threw an ice cream cone at the back of his head. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> or like whatever like yeah he could point that out like all of my fiction stuff is very pumped full of just yeah non-fiction mine usually happened. was too there was always an element of something 
And I will never forget the fiction writing class I took my junior year. Um, we wrote like two short stories throughout the semester. And the two things that I wrote were excerpts from a larger project that I'd started like two or three years before. And just, I got to a stalemate with it. And it was, I was kind of sad because it was a really cool like project with a lot of potential, but I ended up writing two of the like really pivotal scenes from that project as my two projects for this class. And the main character had an eating disorder. And I think the second part that I wrote had a scene of her like running away and like making herself throw up. And I remember doing my research and researching like anorexia, bulimia, Mm -hmm. like quirks of people who have eating disorders, personality traits, like all the psychology behind it. And my Google search history for those like three days (laughs) was just like absolutely terrifying. And I would never forget like my roommate asking to borrow my computer for something. And she pulled up my Google and looked at my search history and was like, Kate, we need to talk. (laughs) And I was like, no, 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 no. I promise it's for my fiction writing class. Like don't, you should have flipped on and just been like, I'm only looking it up because I'm worried about you. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, too bad. I wasn't that crafty back then. But I, I did. But I remember like sitting and doing my research and then think. And of course, like the main character was also a musician and I played violin yeah. for 12 years. So like there's always music in pretty much anything that I write. Mm. Um, but yeah, I will never forget her like opening my computer and seeing like search history of like anorexia, bulimia, like psychological eating disorders and like all those <laughs> things. And her just being like, uh, Kate, <laughs> like, no, 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 no. It's not what you think. I promise. <laughs> I got into that mode once. Uh, like like I said, like most of my writing is fiction. Unless it's like blog stuff. That's more, you know, that's different to me in some way. It's still writing, but it's yeah. different to me. Um, it's not storytelling in the same way. Right. You know what I mean? But I got really obsessed, like maybe about seven or eight years ago, with just drug movies. Mm-hmm. Not like psychedelic but movies like Blow yep. or Scarface or uh, it's one of the reasons I love the Netflix original Narcos. Yep. It's just those like drug kingpin sort of movies yep. like where they manifest destiny and, mm-hmm. you know, it could be potatoes they're selling, but they're going to be on their balcony looking Black over. Black market. Yeah. Yep. And I got obsessed with those movies and just, so I started writing. I've got tons of shorts like if you go back at my back catalog of just like stories i've written mm-hmm. i would say two-thirds of them are like about some drug dealers <laughs> or something because and not about the drugs themselves but just like the dynamics of like social interactions that mm-hmm. that could bring up and i don't i got really it's about as far like you've heard of method acting yep it's about as it's method writing. Yep. And I <laughs> sought out, like I went on Craigslist and made an ad. I was like, I'm writing something. And God, it sounded so pretentious in my memory. It sounded so pretentious. Like this poor lady like or girl, like I, I'm not sure how old she was that responded to me that oh, I no. met up with. She had to have been thinking she was meeting up with Steven Spielberg or something. Oh, no. <laughs> Because I, just the way I remember in my head, it sounded, I was super full of myself and just, it just, it sounded douchey and like super pretentious. 
But I got this girl that hit me up. And, uh, I basically made this ad. It was like, hey, I'm really interested. I'm working on this writing project. And I'm not shelling. This, I'm like too honest with myself now to delve into that pretentiousness. Right. But in a nutshell, I was like, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm working on writing something. I really want to talk to somebody that's had a drug problem, like a severe drug problem. Mm-hmm. And that's come back from the other side. Right. And that's been addicted to something hardcore. And this lady hit me up. So we met up and had some coffee and she was talking me through the ropes of getting addicted to heroin and cocaine. And I just was sitting there and I was like, this is super depressing. I kind of want to (laughs) leave. Oh yeah. But I got myself into this and I kind of need to sit here and just deal with this. But that's how you research though. Yeah. Yeah. No, it was, it was very good research and very enlightening. That's what taught me that, uh, cocaine addiction is not, the actual need to do the drug necessarily it's uh what brings that on is the next day or whenever your cocaine high wears off you feel like shit and you need to feel happy again and you're like i'll just do some more cocaine kind of like uh it's the hair of the dog of cocaine that's what causes cocaine addiction yep yeah (laughs) so that's how i learned that that's how she got (laughs) sent down her path i was like Huh, I just thought it because I assumed it made you feel super awesome and you just wanted to feel super awesome all the time. But no, it's, uh, she was like, no, it wears off pretty quick. But when it really starts to wear off a couple hours later, you just want more to bring you back up. Yep. I was like, huh. The more you know. The more you know. The more you know. That's been the theme for this episode. That may be the title for this episode. <laughs> the more you the know. More you know. <laughs> With Kate Robertson, yeah. local lifestyle and food blogger. <laughs> Uh, let's talk about this uh, third beer here. All right, what we got? Uh, I say I don't think I'm a fan of this one, but the Victoria Brewing Summer Love Ale, the flavor of the season. Where's oh, this one from? Uh, Does it say? Because uh, this sounds familiar. Phil- Philadelphia. Oh yeah, yeah, this is brewed near where I used to live. Okay. Because the ice cream shop that I worked at used to make um, Victory ice cream for those people. Oh. And of course, I worked there in high school, so I couldn't have any. But yeah, yeah. But yeah, I remember this. This was um, one of the more popular local breweries when I lived up there. This one's got some flavor text. Th- I like this. See, there's a big gripe on here that mm-hmm. we gripe about. It, is there's no consistency? We just like in the past couple years sort of got the consistency of IBUs. Yeah, but that's still sort of like only beer people really know what that is really. And it, it doesn't really lock anything down. Like, right. you know, it doesn't really tell you anything about the beer bitterness units. Like, okay. What kind cool. like you need so much more information to be able yeah. to use that information, but this is nice. It's got this whole little block on the side here. That's designed in the Ooh, summer nice. love ale. Uh, enjoy the easy days of summer with this refreshing and aromatic golden ale enticing, Earthy and citrusy hop aromas. Earthy, uh, yes, I could, I could give way agree to flavors of lemon and pine. Yeah, I've been. A big I get the pine. F- I've been a big fan of earthy beers recently. Let me give this another whiff. It smells like dirt. A little bit. Yeah, it does smell like dirt yeah. after a rain. Yeah, yeah. I get a little bit of pine, but I mostly get earth. Yeah. The pine's very subtle, but it's there. Mm. 
Yeah, I just get that dirty earth. And not dirty like a bad way, just dirt. Yeah. Dirt-like earth taste. But, uh, yeah, so let's see here. It is 5.2%. Okay. It's got a little uh, punch. Is an ale. And Bill Ron approves of it. He's the brewmaster. All right. Yeah, that's about it. It doesn't really give me any more information. It doesn't even have the IBUs. See, that just proves the point I was talking about. I assumed this yeah. would because they've got this whole like little chart on the side of their bottle. Hmm. Uh, but yeah, there's no consistency. We gripe about this a lot. There's no consistency with branding across beers of yeah. them putting information on the bottle about the beer. Mm-hmm. It's like most of these beers we got tonight have no information. Yeah, I kind of got to guess and judge yeah, of Like if you're not buying a six pack... Which this came in the Victory Six Pack, mm-hmm. and it still gives you no information. Yep. Come on, Victory, do better. Like, well, it's not Victory, it's everybody. Like, there's no consistency. God damn it, I just spilled my beer all over my pants. Uh, not too bad. It's not much beer, but it's, it's still wet beer. enough. Yeah, I'm, hang on, I'm gonna go grab a paper towel. Uh, that's the first time I've done that. Oh, no. All right, I am back. All right. I was going to pour you one last one here. I was just sipping on this, but it's tasty. All right, what is it? Uh, I don't know. When I first picked it up, I thought the name was funny because I thought it said Coochie March. <laughs> you can see why. It kind of yep. looks like Coochie March. It and with that does. lady on there, it kind of looks like Coochie March. Yes. But this is against <laughs> the grain brewing. Uh, the coup, uh, the kook de la mark, Touk de la marche is a saison. These are the same people that I think bring the, bring you the brown note, which is right. one we had on here a couple episodes ago. Uh, okay. That threw me for a loop. I thought this was actually doing this in French, <laughs> but, uh, it says strut your stuff. Uh, vuete lucoque de rien. I was a Spanish guy, not a French guy. Uh, suffice to say, some beers are meant to uh, be the cocks of the walks. This sessionable saison is just that, striding confidently along the most faithful walk, brewed with a dash of spelt and late hop addition. This frothy delight is bright, rich, and juicy. So, Fenir son verre. Whatever that means. I don't speak French. Yeah, I took Spanish, too. Yeah, I'm Spanish, dude. Uh, 5.8% alcohol by volume. And uh, this specifically says drink from the can, but I disregard that. Yeah. So I've got a I big only ever glass. drink from the can if I'm tailgating. And I have a fun koozie to go with it. It seems like you have plenty of. Oh, I have a know. whole collection of them. Do you like Saison's normally? Yeah. Uh, they're not my usual go to, but I don't dislike them. Yeah. Ooh, it smells good. They've uh, grown on me. I, this one's really good, though. I like Ooh, it. I like it a lot. I do like that. It's kind of tart. Oh, yeah. But it's, not like uh, yeah, overpoweringly. It's not soury. It's not it's like tart, shandy yeah. tart, but it's got a little bit of that tartness in it. You know, a shandy was the first beer I ever drank. Ever. 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 
actually JK, my first beer I had a drink of was a Guinness when I was in London and I almost died. Mm. Cause Guinness is ugh. What were you like? You just turned like 18 or something or what, was, what's the age over there? 16 or 18? It's 18 over there. Okay. I was 19 and I, my parents and I had done a vacation that was like a few days London, a few days Paris. And we were at a pub on the river and I was like, you know what? I'm of legal drinking age over here. I'm going to at least try a Guinness. Mm -hmm. And my dad's a beer drinker. I mean, he's picky about what the beer he drinks, but he was like, you know what? When in London, I'm going to get a Guinness. And he let me try it. And I thought my taste buds died that day. I was just like, how do you people drink this? This is awful. Was it just like, I don't know. I've never had a Guinness, you know, I've never been to England. So I've never had a, because they say it is supposed to be, that's how you're supposed to drink a Guinness. Yep. So what, in comparison to a Guinness over here, what? I've never had a Guinness over here. That was okay. the only time I've ever had yeah. See, I'm not a big fan of Guinness. So it's like, I don't drink them over here. And because of that, it's not going to be the first beer I'm going to order when I go over there. No. Um, no, it was it was hard to drink. I took a couple of sips of it and was just like, uh, nope. Mm, nope. And then I think we went to go visit some friends who live a little bit outside of the city. And we went to one of the bars there and I, they were like, well, do you want a Guinness? And I was like, no, rum and Coke, please. <laughs> <laughs> I'll stick with that. So what was the, what was the first beer you learned to like? Um, it was actually the watermelon wheat beer from straight to ale mm. from Huntsville that I had at Southern Brewers Fest in 2015. Okay. I think I, if it's the one I'm thinking of, not Southern Brewers Fest, but beer, that is a good beer. They had it last year, I like year most too. watermelon beers. That, I've be had honest. a couple, and I the straight to ale one yeah. was my favorite. It was, it, it was just good. It was like a really light wheat beer, but it had that watermelon taste to it. And I yeah. actually don't really like watermelon itself, but pairing that watermelon flavor with a wheat beer was just like... It was good. And especially on like a really hot August day, it was so refreshing. Yeah, yeah. I wish, I don't know, I wish we would get a beer festival that was not in the summertime here. Oh, man, like, they, like late fall. fall yeah. That, oh, my gosh. Can we switch like wine over water and Southern Brewers Fest? Yeah, right? Yeah, get all those winos out there. Or in, move in wine over water heat. to like the early spring and yeah. give us Southern Brewers Fest in like October. That would be a great idea. Wine Over Water is totally a spring activity. Yeah. But we need a fall beer festival. We do. Like we have a, I don't, did you go to Brew Skies? I did not. Year? I missed it. Yeah. It, I mean, it was its first year uh, and it's just a homebrewers festival, even yep. though, even though there were, it was supposed to be a homebrew festival, but like Carter was down there and they had a booth with some stuff and it yeah. functions the same way as, you know, uh, Chattabruga or any you pay one fee and Go it's in. just smaller right but I'm excited to see what it grows into because mm -hmm. it's going to always from what they're saying it's always going to be on that street right there in front of uh, Chattanooga Brewing Company yeah and that's a great area it's too. a great street yeah and it pretty much dead ends on both ends so yep. they could grow that festival 
into the size of Southern Brewers Fest if they wanted. Yeah, and go all down like Chestnut and Carter Street. Yeah, completely all over there. It'd be like Main by 24 except on Carter Street and, well, Carter and Chestnut Street and just all beer. Yeah, it would be great. That would be fun and do it like October. Oh, yeah. And they, they had a bunch of food down there, too. That was the thing. They didn't have food trucks, but it was... I didn't know this. I thought it was just like a mini Chattabruga, basically. Yeah. Both homebrewers. And then we went down there, and we've got some videos and stuff about it, but there was also food competitions yep. where you could go around and taste all the, all the little things. Yeah. and Chattanooga needs a food festival. Oh, yeah. Like a legit straight... It's not something tacked onto the market, Yeah, but a straight-up food it, festival. Yeah, a separate, like, independent food festival. Yeah. Like, that is the one thing... I think this city is missing. Oh yeah. Is well, as far as like entertainment sports and like the food scene and Mm -hmm. culture goes, like we need our own food festival. We have wine over water. We have Southern Brewers Fest. We have Riverbend. Like we need our own food festival. So if anyone here is listening to this, that has the power to make that happen, make it happen, make it happen. Yeah. Make it happen. I'm a food blogger and I know other food bloggers. We will be there. (laughs) (laughs) I will run your social media. Speaking of your, uh, or your blog. What is your blog? My blog is called A Thought and a Half, and you can find it at athoughtandahalf.com, and it is a southern food and lifestyle blog. Nice. I've been checking it out a little bit. It's pretty nice. Yeah. I got something. Uh, you, yeah. Do you know how to fix a stinky sink? Uh, I've read that you can put lemon peels and lemon rinds down your garbage disposal. Which I think you may have just answered my question by not answering it sort of i've never tried it but i've read that you can see my garbage disposal just broke oh yeah so now all that is being stinky so i think i'm gonna have to replace my garbage disposal baking soda baking soda is a very easy deodorizer i put it in at least temporarily yeah i put it in my cat's litter box ah okay good move good move yep um i don't don't know why so many uses I, i felt like you having a southern lifestyle blog I also spend an inordinate amount of time on Pinterest. Yeah. I I felt (laughs) like you could answer that because, I mean, we live in the South. It gets hot as shit and humid here during the summer. Yep. It's something you have to deal with. Yep. Um, I've started doing a lot more DIY stuff, and I should really put more DIY stuff on the blog, but I usually just share it anywhere else I can find it, but whatever. Yeah, whatever. I need to wrap us up here, though, so we can keep us at our hour and a half. Um yeah, you got anything else to plug before we go out here? Um, <laughs> my phone making its Kim Possible noise. <laughs> um, I hope I hope y'all heard that. Um, no, I just wanted to shout out and say thanks to Brew Chat for having me. Yeah. Love talking here, and yeah, uh, any opportunity to talk about Chattanooga and what it's got going for it, and talk about how wonderful it is, and get people to come visit. Yeah, definitely. We and cheers. Uh, yeah, well, thank you for joining us yeah, this week. And always. thank you for coming. Definitely have to get you back because we didn't even talk about movies hardly. We did a little bit. A little, did a little bit. bit. But we'll definitely and I got have to North, get you back. And I got North Carolina beer to talk about too. Yes. Yeah, we were planning on doing a sequel to uh, our North Carolina beer episode because that is your homeland. It is. And I know plenty of North Carolina beers outside of Asheville. Not that not that's not a knock on Asheville beers. Asheville no, it's beers not. It are was very just, good. Yeah, it was just hard to find non Asheville beers yeah. here. Yeah. And I have my favorites that I can definitely bring back next time I go home. We're so very I'll be excited doing on that. that. And uh, for those of you listening, this has been Kate Robertson that is joining us 
this uh, this episode, who's also going to be helping us at Southern Brewers Fest. So you'll be seeing a little more of her and coming back for that North Carolina beer episode. And we'll see you guys next time, probably for the Game of Thrones after show. Also, go to Riverside uh, this Friday. They've got $2 off all growlers this Friday. It doesn't matter Ooh. which brewery, $2 off growlers for the growler promo this Saturday or this Friday. Sorry, this Friday at Riverside Wine Spirits, 4 to 6. $2 off growler promo. Also, brewchat.com. Hit us up on Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, uh, wherever. We're, it's brewchat2ts. We'll see you guys next time. Bye, y'all. Bye.